This is Taylor Talk, the number one Taylor Swift podcast brought to you by taylortalk.org. Are you ready for it? Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 201 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast. My name is Adam. I'm Diane. And I'm Steve. And we're glad to be back here with you, ready to discuss, ready for it, and its accompanying music video that just came out a couple days ago. Today is October 29th. So we're just a couple days after the release of the music video. It gave us a few days to kind of process it and get it going. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show, I want to say a special thank you to our sponsor for this episode, HelloFresh, a company on a mission to save home cooking by delivering fresh, pre-portioned meals directly to your home every week. For $30 off your first order, visit HelloFresh.com and use code TAYLORTALK30. Thank you, HelloFresh, for your support. So how are you guys? I'm good. How about yourself? You know, just dandy. Dandy? Dandy. Like a lion? Clever, Steve. Only, Mm. you know, not really. So, um, you know, like I said, we are here to discuss Taylor's song, Ready For It, as well as its accompanying music video a little bit later in the episode. Um, Jeez, I totally spaced on what I was going to say there. Um, 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 hang on. We're talking about Ready For It. Yes. We're going to talk about the music video. Yes. Might throw in some information about Taylor Swift, possibly. Who? I don't know. I'm just teasing. <laughs> of course, um, I actually remembered what I was going to say. I was going to say, if you are brand new to the show and you've never listened before, welcome. And if you are um, an old listener, welcome back. For all the new people out there, just to give you an idea of how we like to handle these shows is we look at Taylor's music from a literary perspective. We look at the writing and um, the lyrics specifically, and we try and go into in-depth analyses, you know, so it's not a big giant fan fest, but it's rather, well, what we attempt to make an intellectual discussion out (laughs) of. Um, attempt sometimes the key word there. So that's kind of what the show is about for those of you that are new. I know we haven't been around uh, lately, you know, but we're back. We're back sporadically. We'll see how it goes. We kind of pop in and out here. Yeah. (laughs) But in all fairness, Taylor herself has uh, since disappeared. Um, Anyway, so let's talk about the song itself. Starting off with the title, I thought the title, the way it was structured, was very interesting, right? So it includes the use of an ellipsis there at the beginning. A what? Right? Exactly. A what? (laughs) Um, The dot, dot, dot. It's called an ellipsis, right? Mm -hmm. So it's typically there because there is an omission of something. There's something missing. There's something that would otherwise be there that, in a sense, is meant to be understood, Mm -hmm. right? In this case, I, I would like to think that her choice of titling the song as she did um, has more to do with are you being missing. That's what I was thinking, but I don't think it would take much to just type out are you as opposed to dot, dot, dot. No, it wouldn't. That's why I'm saying it's something beyond that. It's something larger than that, some sort of larger meaning, because her choice of punctuation as a writer is always very, very strategic in what she chooses. If you guys remember... Um, the first time we kind of noticed this was when we were discussing I Knew You Were Trouble a There's number a of years ago. The, a There's period a period at the, at the end, end yeah. right? And the period gives you a sense of finality, like I Knew You Were Trouble, period, right? So it adds a little punch to the end of it. And in this case, I'm saying the ellipsis is there for some particular purpose that, you know, I the only thing I can think of, right, is is this, the album itself called Reputation mm-hmm. is meant to document 
something to do with her reputation, right? Like it, it could be her taking control of her reputation. It could be, I don't know, maybe it's something sarcastic like Blank Space was. We're not sure yet um, until the album comes out. But in this case, I'm wondering if there's something about the sequential order, right? So Look What You Made Me Do was the first single that came out, followed by this one, Ready For It. So it's like, look what you made me do, dot, dot, dot. Like almost like a, a strategic pause. So like if, if you read them in sequence, it's like a strategic pause. And then she's like, ready for it? And then once the album comes out, we'll find out exactly what she is, is talking about. So, so, Adam, I have a couple theories on this. Um, the first being, you know, just based on the songs of how they came out, doesn't mean that's exactly the way it's going to be on the album. So, for instance, I feel that whatever song is before this can maybe tie into this one. Or maybe this could even be the first track on the album where it's kind of a going from 1989 into this. just And it's kind of more um, of a preparing us for the new album. I thought we had a track list or at least part of a track list. Like, is there a way to tell which number the songs that we have already? I'm, I'm going to open sure up iTunes because I think it's Yeah, there. why don't you look that up? Because... I think I remember the one that she came out with recently being number eight. Mm. So let's look up Reputation. Well, hang on, I'm jumping into the iTunes store now and we can kind of see. Um, but Steve, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that point because I'm not necessarily saying that it's in sequential order of the album, but in sequential order of her releases. Mm-hmm. That was more what I was getting at. But um, hang on, I just found it. Ready For It is the opening track. Oh, boom. And I didn't even look yeah. that up. That would make sense. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a good phrase to start with. Ooh, and if that is the first track, then those, then those, um, what was the word you call it? Um, ellipsis? ellipsis? Yeah. That could be the pause because we haven't heard from her in a long time. And so that was the pause. And then she's like, it's her way of saying, um, are, are, like, are we prepared for her to come back into the spotlight because she's been absent for so long like here it comes yeah mm-hmm. ready or not here i come although she hasn't <laughs> that's what's interesting is um you know simply from a marketing perspective i know this is deviating from the um the discussion of the song itself but sort of from a marketing perspective she has not actually really made a public appearance like yeah she's kind of gone on social media and liked people's statuses and commented on certain things here and there and um she has hosted a few secret sessions like she did before 1989 Mm -hmm. so there are a select handful of fans that have seen her out and about but for the most part she's remained completely out of spotlight she has not gone on record saying anything yet about this album officially Mm. out of her mouth anyway Perhaps that's the point because she wants to keep this all on her own terms. Like well, she doesn't want to deal with any other outside thing that could potentially comment about her. So now she's like taking control of her own art, I guess. I don't know. We'll you know, it. and I, I was thinking that perhaps it was because going back to the song now, uh, she's speaking through her lyrics. Mm-hmm. Speaking through her lyrics. So. Um, the title, you know, I, I don't know that I have much more to say on it. I know, Steve, you had a couple theories. You said, did you, uh, were the two you shared both kind of it? That, that was pretty much it, yep. Uh, the yeah. other one that I just wanted to throw out there is just um, any thoughts in the involvement of this song and other ones that she's been putting out for the ESPN college football. I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing for her to be doing. 
Oh, using the song as football promotion? Yeah. You know, the only thing I can think of... Well, besides that. (laughs) Yeah, money, publicity. Um, But only thing I can think of there... You know, I've seen theories online, but the only thing I came up with is just the the whole ready for it in the chorus, if you don't take into account the rest of the verses, actually sounds kind of like a sports song. It does. It really, really does. You know, and the whole baby let the games begin, Mm -hmm. um, you know, part of it. It it can just be used for sports. I think that's pure coincidence. The theory I've seen online is that even though I know we don't like to necessarily go into speculation here, but obviously the big rumor is this is about Joe Alwyn, her supposed boyfriend, and that he played a character in some football war type movie of some sort. Mm. But I, I, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a stretch. That mm-hmm. is a stretch because he's not in the promos for ESPN. No, it's it's a stretch to make that connection. I was just sharing it because that's a theory I saw online. That that was all. Huh. Um, I think it's more to do with they paid for the rights to use it because the sound of it and the lyrics in that particular portion of the song, you know, when the lyrics are taken out of context, it works mm-hmm. for sports. That that's what I thought. I I don't know, Steve. Anything? No, you're you're the football guy. No, I know I'm the football guy, but that I I thought it was kind of different. That's all. Not bad. Not good. Just a little different. Yeah, certainly. It certainly is. Um, Shall we get into the song itself then? Let's Let's go. Let's do that. Let's roll. All right. So, um, you know, like I said earlier in the episode, we like to break down lyrics, but there was something interesting I saw in the structure about this because there is obviously a female character, a male character, right? Mm -hmm. Now, it opens up with, knew he was a killer first time that I saw him. If you guys look at the song, there actually are really only two verses in the entire song. Everything else is pre-chorus, chorus, and all that repeated stuff. But right. there's only two unique verses. Um, you know, and in this case, it starts with, knew he was a killer first time that I saw him. The other one, me, I was a robber first time that he saw me. So it's a, it's a, it's a verse about him, verse about me type thing. And the structure itself, I almost saw as being like just the whole criminal references almost like turned into a Bonnie and Clyde story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really actually thought it was really interesting when I looked at that and saw that whole parallel. Because do I think that Taylor and, and the male character of this song are going to go off and rob banks and kill people? That's of course not. not. Um, <laughs> of course not. But if you look at the roles also, like knew he was a killer, um, just from a historical perspective, Bonnie of Bonnie and Clyde never actually killed anyone supposedly. Um, you know, the Clyde's gang members um, testified and said that she actually never wielded a gun at police officers. And it was police officers that they killed or rather that Clyde killed. Um, so, you know, she was part of the robbery heist, but it was actually Clyde that was the killer. So, you know, in this particular song, it's got the female character as a robber, the male character as the killer. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking this is... Okay. So I was just thinking, I was thinking there's a parallel here, a parallel in stories. Like I said, they're not going to go off and rob banks and kill people. Um, But, but if you think back to look what you made me do and kind of the overall theme of this album with reputation and her taking control of her reputation, and there is certainly a little bit of a revenge related theme. I I can't quite pinpoint it yet without more songs. I want to know who it is she wants to get she wants to get revenge on because I don't think it's for the 
I, I, I'm just, I don't know. Well, here's, here's where the parallel with Bonnie and Clyde gets really interesting, right? Okay. So I don't know if you know this, but Clyde's motivation was that he sought revenge against a system that he thought wronged him. In in his case, the Texas Correctional, whatever it was, whoever he was in prison before okay. he went on this robbery spree with Bonnie, right. um, he wanted revenge against the system. And I think it is very similar to Taylor looking out at, to try and get revenge against a larger system, not mm-hmm. against any person in particular, like you were trying to speculate on, Diane, oh. um, but trying to get revenge on a larger system where, uh, you know, there is this whole media frenzy. Frenzy, yeah, whatever it is that sort of shaped her image and her overall image and the public perception of her. And, you know, people that are not necessarily in the know and that don't follow her career, um, you know, they, they know I do this podcast and stuff and they'll ask me stuff about like, oh, Taylor and her ex-boyfriends, all these boyfriends. She has 20 million guys That's all and she needs to write, write songs to break up. And so the media has created this image around her. And so I see reputation as a whole. And again, don't quote me on this quite yet because the album's not out yet, but perhaps reputation as a whole is seeking revenge on that larger system that crafted her reputation as it is, even though it is not accurate to who she actually is. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Cool. I like it. Did you, I lose you guys? No, no you didn't lose us. We were just like, yes, Adam, you're right. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Diane knows that's how to butter me up. Oh, my God. Um... <laughs> Sorry, but I, I just I, I I thought that was really cool and I, I just came up with it when I was looking at the song as a whole. But um what were your thoughts on the song as a whole before we dive into lyric by lyric? Anything? Um I've I'm impressed by what you've come up with so far. Um because when I think about this song, I think about a like like this song sounds really great and i like the way it sounds but in terms of words i didn't necessarily look too much into it because i wasn't sure if there was that much to look into honestly so i'm impressed that you uh found some stuff to i didn't think so either at first until i dove into it um you know, and, and like I said, I could be completely wrong and completely oh, well. off base. It was just an interpretation because I even searched online. I was like, I was like, huh, I wonder if anyone came up with this Bonnie and Clyde parallel yet. And I couldn't find anything. It's all your theory. Sweet. Um, yeah, it seems to be. Somebody said something about, you know, she's ready to go all Bonnie and Clyde for this guy and use that sort of as a mm. slang as phrase, saying, I guess, yeah. but not quite drawing the parallel between the stories, um, which, of course, the systems wronged the two Clyde and Taylor in different ways. But um, the idea of seeking revenge and that sort of theme, I, I wouldn't like to think of Taylor as vengeful. But of course, when we get uh, more into the lyrics, which right in the first verse, it ends with like a vendetta, which a vendetta is sort of revenge related. So um, but anyway, I mean, we can we can jump into the lyrics if you guys are ready. No, I think I'm Let's ready go. for it. All right. So let's look at that first verse. So it starts with knew he was a killer. First time that I saw him. Wonder how many girls he had loved and left haunted. But if he's a ghost, then I can be a phantom holding him for ransom. Um, that's kind of the first half of the first verse. And I, I really like her use of rhyme for the overall sound of the song. Because mm-hmm. you've got phantom, ransom, um, and so on. Definitely but some uh, rap sort of going on there or something. It is, it is rap-like of Taylor, the way that she's saying this. It's kind of fun. It's kind of... 
playful. Poetic. I know, well, yes, poetic and playful and... I think there's some sass in there too. Mm. So it's fun. I think I think well-written rap is actually some of the best poetry though. True. Um, you know, I am I am a big fan of Eminem. Throwing that one out there. Cool. Do you love Eminem and if you've ever gone through his lyrics, he's very um very good with words. I mean, that's kind of an understatement, but you know, within this particular verse so far, um something I pulled out was just sort of the word choice when she assigns him the word ghost, her the word phantom. Mhm. You know, and, and those are kind of synonymous. They they kind of mean the same thing. But at least in my head, phantoms tend to be more evil motivated. Okay. I can take this from here for phantom. you. I, I tried finding some concrete evidence on that and couldn't really. Like I said, that's my interpretation of the two words and what, what sort of that connotation is to me, right? Okay. Um, is that phantoms are more... Uh, I guess vengeful in the, in a sense, and that's kind of what we're talking about here. Because you know, she said, "But if he's a ghost, ghosts can be innocent, right? Where I can be a phantom holding him for ransom." So, so um, Adam, let, let me uh, let me take it a little bit further here. So, first off, even if he's a ghost, the problem is a couple lines before that we said that he was a killer. So, that to me, so he's also evil, right? <laughs> Right. So so I really did. I actually what I did for these first couple of lines is I decided to just look up in the dictionary, because I think if you look at the actual dictionary definitions, you can really see a different understanding of what those words are. For instance, haunted was a big one for me, like Uh when he left the the girls haunted. So, so yeah. those girls see him as a ghost. So that's where we get that um, I, the, the, the idea of a ghost because they're haunted he, yeah, by his memory. Yeah, he's a ghost haunting them. Okay. But here's here's the thing, Steve. You know, Taylor, in her writing, you has a lot of sort of double meaning in certain words and word choices that she comes up with. So when she starts it, knew he was a killer. First time that I saw him, wonder how many girls he had loved and left haunted. When you put it into context... A killer being, how do I describe it? Someone that's very handsome and like a lady killer. There's the word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you could interpret it like that, taking it into context with that second line. I'm sure she doesn't mean that this boy has actually killed people. <laughs> right. Well, no, 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 no. Of course, it's not. Of course, it's not literal. It's not meant literally okay, that he's killed just anyone. Okay, clarifying that. Um, but, but the lady killer theory could be on point because. When you look forward into the single that was, of course, released after this, you know, you've got Gorgeous. Um, You know, presumably she's describing the same individual. And in that case, somebody that is gorgeous would be that lady killer. Um, And that could very well. And Diane, correct me if I'm wrong, could be an initial thought of a girl the first time she meets a guy that she thinks is very handsome. Like he's a killer, like uh, almost like a self-conscious sort of perspective where you're like, oh, he's a total, he's, he's a total killer. Like, thing, how yeah. many girls has he loved and and left in the past? But but yes. to, that that to me though, being a killer, is that is someone that could be more of a player or something, and he's just taking people's souls and ripping them out, and that's what gets to the word haunted there. Okay. See, because the word haunted really has two definitions. The first one is, you know, being visited by a ghost, something along the lines of that. The second one is having and showing signs of mental anguish or torment, <laughs> which to me is the perfect definition of what this version of Haunted is. It's he comes in, you know, he takes their heart and he leaves. 
Steve, our dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> well, then why does she like him? Well, well hold on a second. This is not a very good opening then. No, that's and not. That's... But but here's the next part then. So if he's a ghost and she's a phantom. So the question... It's worse than that. Right. So think of a ghost. Um, for instance, it is, you know, the soul of a dead person, which to me means he has no heart, that he's just mm -hmm. out there looking to pretty much take hearts of the living, which is the ghost will go visit living people, that kind of stuff. And then take their soul. Uh, the phantom, though. Where do I have the phantom at? Okay. Pause while Steve looks <laughs> up his next definition. Well, I, I, have, I have a couple I've been flipping through. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So with well, the phantom, in, let, let me see here. In the meantime, while you're looking that up, mm -hmm. um, you know, Diane, the whole thing has a sarcastic tone anyway. So when you're going off of what you said based on Steve's definitions about you know, if he's a ghost, I can be a phantom saying she's worse. Um, you know, think blank space. That's kind of how I see this song is like a part two of blank space. So that I mean, I, I hope and uh, I don't know, holding him for ransom. What is she doing to him? <laughs> well, well, OK, so so let's let's get back to phantom here. So. The definition that I saw that I liked, there's a couple different ones, is something existing in appearance only. Huh. So that, that is definitely different than a ghost, you know. So this is something that's more either a figment of his imagination or, you know, something beyond being a ghost here. Okay. Can you repeat that one more time? Phantom, yep. something about a figure? Something appearance. existing in appearance only. Oh, something existing in appearance only that perfectly aligns with that sarcastic um, idea that we're kind of going off of something that exists in appearance only. Because, again, like we, we can't forget that larger theme of what we assume to be the theme anyway of reputation as a whole, um, which I would anticipate kind of being a, a concept album, having a large story to it. Having mm -hmm. individual stories in each song make up a larger overall story. Right. Yeah, the, that I that I can see for. Didn't me. we predict that in for 1989 also? I feel like we predicted that a lot. We predicted <laughs> a lot of things and been wrong about a lot of things. Well, we yes. got to be right about something eventually. Yeah, we One just time. we just have to point yes. out the things we were right about and not the things that we were wrong about, and we'll yes. sound smarter. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So I appreciate you looking up those definitions, Steve, because Phantom, that provides a lot of clarity that something appearing, whatever you just said. Right. Something but, in appearance only. So, so then you got to get into the holding him for ransom. So what are you actually holding for ransom? Are you holding his soul for ransom? You know, is he one? Is he a person that has gone out there and has got a lot of women and then dumps them, you know, when he's done with them and everything else like that. And is her job going in there is kind of a vendetta to make him fall in love with her and then she is going to toss him to the curb. Hmm. Okay. So the next um, set of lyrics, right? If we keep going on, let's see if that provides any clarity to your question, Steve, because that's where vendetta does appear, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got... Some boys are trying too hard. He don't try at all, though. Younger than my ex is, but he act like such a man. So I see nothing better. I keep him forever like a vendetta. Mm. So vendetta going off of the Steve method. 
a blood feud in which the family of a murdered person seeks vengeance on the murderer in the murderer or, or the murderer's family. So like mobster. Right. But this murderer <laughs> is the killer at the very beginning that is, you know, pretty much taking the souls of women and moving on. Well, I think going back to um, what I was trying to explain earlier with her seeking revenge against a system, right? Mm -hmm. So presumably she really cares about this individual. The female character truly cares about the male character. And of course, um, like I said, Vendetta is a blood feud against the family or the murderer's family, so to speak, right? So saying I keep him forever like a vendetta like that is the vendetta if she finally finds that person that she holds on to forever then that is revenge so to speak against the media that has created this narrative surrounding her life about mm. all she does is date guys and break up with them so she can write songs about them okay that makes a lot of sense so i think that's kind of where that was going and then of course um, you know, it is the sarcastic tone there again, kind of like blank space, right? Like younger than my ex is, but he acts like such a man. Um, you know, th that whole deal. And some boys are trying too hard. He don't try it. Although like, I'm sure he tries to be nice to her and stuff like that. Um, perhaps he is genuinely a nice guy. He is British. Aren't br all British people nice? Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, but, but isn't that the whole trying to, you know, pick up women and that kind of stuff though? You know, like people constantly throw their feet at Taylor and it's like this guy she just runs into and, you know, they just nice little conversation, but it doesn't even look like he's trying to, you know, get with her or anything like that. Uh -huh. Right. So I, I get what you're saying and where you're going with that. We're taking a brief pause to thank our sponsor for this episode, HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that makes home cooking more fun so you can focus on the whole experience and not just the final plate. Each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step -step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks short on time. HelloFresh sources the freshest ingredients measured to the exact quantities needed so there's no food wasted. So now some real talk, right? Before HelloFresh even sponsored Taylor Talk, Diane and I have actually been ordering from HelloFresh for the last two months and love it. Yes, we absolutely love it. Um, HelloFresh makes cooking dinner so easy. We work long days and it is hard to come home and ask ourselves, what are we going to eat for dinner now? Oh, it's super annoying, <laughs> that feeling. You all have the debate, right? Yeah. What's for dinner? So HelloFresh kind of takes that problem away uh, because we don't have to go shopping. We don't have to even think about what we have to make. Um, we just make what we get in our little bag from HelloFresh. So I was not that great of a cook before, um, but HelloFresh... No, Fresh... she wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Adam, for throwing me under the rug. Remember how I said that novices can also do this? Diane can attest to that. Yes, I am a perfect example. So HelloFresh makes me feel like I am a professional chef, and I sometimes cannot believe I actually made what was in the box. Usually I can't believe she made what was in the box either. So um, that is that is the largest uh, testimonial I can offer to HelloFresh. Um, phenomenal food. It's it's healthy. They have dietitians that plan it out. Uh, so the meals are just, they're really great. They really, really are. Um, so again, if you want to receive $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter the code TaylorTalk30. Again, that's HelloFresh.com. And you can receive $30 off your first week 
by entering the code TaylorTalk30. All right, so let's keep going with the song, right? So then it goes into the I, I, I see how this is going to go. Touch me and you'll never be alone. Island breeze and lights down low. No one has to know. So the beginning part of that seems to be kind of obvious, right? Touch me and you'll never be alone. Um, I actually see a double meaning here, like I always do in her in her writing. But touch me is not necessarily in the physical sense. It means just become part of my life and you'll never be alone, being that you're always surrounded by something. You're always surrounded by that constant media frenzy. Like oh. Diane said, I kind of see this as, or Diane kind of sees this as Blank Space 2.0. And I think that goes along very well with what you were saying about that. So you're um, right. So it's so it that's kind of sad, though. So it's like their 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 relationship can't be private because of all the people surrounding them who want in on their business. Well, that's what she says. She says, I see how this is going to go. Yeah. Like she already knows how it's going to go. Because that happens every single time she dates someone. As soon as they're walking down the street out of a hotel holding hands, boom. It's over. Yep. You touch me, you'll never be alone. Now the paparazzi will be all over here. Oh, I get it. And that's the thing. That is is the other part of it, is there is also the touch in a physical sense, right? Mm Mm-hmm. There is touch in a physical sense because that is all over the news. If they're holding hands, if they're hugging, if they're kissing, if they're whatever yeah forget it then forget it yeah they'll they'll never ever be alone after that because paparazzi they make a ton of money if they can catch a picture of taylor swift holding hands with a boy especially the first time that she is seen with a with a new guy or whatever that's a valuable photo Uh yep but again um looking at the writing i see the double meaning there um touch me and you'll never be alone um there, there is also kind of like a, a sexual tone to it as well. Especially yeah. because of the last part with the lights down low, no one has to know. Right. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so putting it back into context, if you take the two lines out of context, out of the song, you know, you've got that meaning we were just talking about, about always being surrounded by something. You'll never be alone. But then when you put it into the, the context of that... Of that um, like innuendo. Yeah. Uh, you've got... Island breeze and lights down low. No one has to know. Um, so now it's all of a sudden trying to hide it. it. It's that's where the sort of sexual part comes in a little bit. Well, well, this is the part I've been trying to figure out, and I still have no real concrete thought on. And what exactly is the island breeze? Yeah, me too. That's it. So that part is not the same as the rest of the song because that is you know very happy fun and the rest of the song is you know it has all these like killer things and ghosts and it's darker no, the verses and the do. island the verses right. do the choruses do not so that might be something to consider too why is there that stark difference the contrast yeah you know the contrast this is interesting because i actually was listening to all too well recently and you there's were? 
You were having an all too well moment. It, I wasn't having a moment. I was oh. listening to it because I was thinking about it. And there are, as you put stark contrasts in that song to place emphasis on certain things. And I think this is exactly that, right? So it's the happy, sad contrast that really places emphasis on the emotions of the song. So I think that's an, a stylistic choice by Taylor as an author where she has the verses that contrast the choruses. The verses are ghostly, sarcastic, sassy, angry, Wait bitter. A then you've got the verses that are all in this happy moment. And then all of a sudden you have this sort of two different lives parallel, right? Where you've I got her it. private life where I she's happy. It. I get it. It clicks. So the, 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 sorry, the, um, the first part of the song is the way people see this guy and the chorus is the way that she sees them together happy and then so they, they so it will does that make sense yes it, it does goes back and forth mm-hmm. it does it alternates between the the happy and the bitter right huh. and it alternates between the public perception and the private this is what it actually is and again tying in with that big theme it's her reputation it's her reputation remember this is all about reputation right so as far as what it means, literally, I would assume it's some sort of tropical vacation. Sounds great. Or but a tropical again, drink. It's technically an alcoholic drink is called an island breeze. Or is it something just to... So so I actually was oh, able to... Oh, that's a drink? Yeah, yeah. it is. A, I figured, cocktail. I figured Adam would know that one. I didn't know that one. I do know that. I just didn't think of it until Steve said it. Uh-huh. Um, huh. But Dan's like, I know what I'm getting next time I'm at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to know what's in it. So, so, so oh. I'll, I'll go um, one further on this one. Actually, you know what? I'll hold off on it now that I think about it because it actually <laughs> he's it, off. It, so, it, it actually he's makes teaser. more sense in the next verse. Okay, so let's talk about the next section, right? So, in the middle of the night, in my dreams, you should see the things we do, baby. In the middle of the night, in my dreams, I know I'm gonna be with you, so I'll take my time. Are you ready for it? Go on, Steve. Well, actually, the, you left the next, us hanging there. No, Sorry, I the next verse. Actually, oh, the actual verse, not the chorus. Okay. Well, we got to talk about the chorus. So we, we do can't have skip. to. Talk okay. About Steve. No, we can't. We can't quite oh, skip no, yet. No, 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 so no. let's talk about that part. So again, I think it goes with um, Diane's theory of the the contrast between the public persona and the personal persona. So because there is no more personal place than your own dreams, the one's own dreams, right? So that word choice there, I think, was very strategic. So. You should see the things we do in my dreams. Yes? Yes. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. So we're following. So um, like I said, there, there, that is her own personal thought bubble now as the writer. And that is her speaking to the other individual, to the male character, I think. And the confidence there, I know I'm going to be with you, so I'll take my time. That's like a taking it slow. And then where it ends, are you ready for it? This is where I was just kind of like, well, who is she speaking to? Is she speaking to us as the audience or to the male character or both? I think she's speaking to the male character because she is probably trying to ask him if he is prepared for everything that people are going to say about them. Because that's a part of what it is to date Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. There is... You know them and then there's everybody else right that you have to unfortunately like probably emotionally deal with but i think it's also a message to the audience asking are you ready for it audience like this is different this isn't 
you know, the old Taylor is dead. So this is the new Taylor. Are you guys ready for it? This is going to be the long term. This is going to be the one. She seems to be very confident. She but says, she's not that different, though. <laughs> I don't think she's different. She's still Taylor Swift. She's, yeah. she's just pretending. Well, she's not the public persona of Taylor Swift anymore. She's the real Taylor Swift, or at she least trying to be. She was never the public persona of Taylor Swift. Well, no, of course not. <laughs> but she was in the public's eye. Well, they're wrong. Okay. So is she asking them if they're prepared to be wrong about her? Sure. <laughs> right. Sure. Um, let's get into that next verse because I'm waiting to hear what Steve has to say. So it's, me, I was a robber the first time that he, or sorry, me, I was a robber first time that he saw me. Stealing hearts and running off and never saying sorry. But if I'm a thief, then he can join the heist and we'll move to an island. And and he can be my jailer, Burton to this tailor. Every lover known in comparison is a failure. I forget their names now. I'm so very tame now. Never be the same now. 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 Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess Steve. I'll just throw it out there. So the island breeze. We actually see the word island in here, which makes a lot of sense. So what they're going to do is move to an island. So they're going to be away from everybody. And there's two ways you can look at this. Number one, you can think of it as just their relationship. They're going to kind of have their private life as much as they can, kind of on their own island. On their own island, yes. The other thing is we got the whole robber scenario where usually, let's say you want to rob a bank or something like that. Normally you want to, you know, escape to an island or something like that just out of you know, away from everybody. So maybe that's where the whole island and island breeze comes into play. They're on their own island enjoying life together, the heck with everyone else in the entire world. That's a great theory, Stephen. Perhaps the robber, when you look at it, it's like, what exactly is she stealing? You've got that sarcastic line, stealing hearts and running off and never saying sorry, which again, blank space 2.0. Right, because Um, that's how she, because, because that's how she's been perceived in the public eye. But perhaps what she means more literally as a writer is by writing this album, stealing back the narrative about her life. She's tried to do that for a long time. She has, but maybe she finally cracked the code. I mean, whether or not she does or doesn't is irrelevant. With each album comes growing numbers of fans for her. Um, You know, her constant evolution as a writer, as a songwriter and, and an artist Um, always ropes in new fans because every album has a little bit of a different sound to it and appeals to new people and somehow she's got this amazing way of of retaining her old fans uh, through all the growing of her fan base right Um, you know so so perhaps this is it perhaps this is her taking it back i mean the album is called reputation so Mm -hmm. um you know that's that's quite possible and then it says you know but if i'm a thief then he can join the heist you know he can help her uh, reclaim that reputation he can join the heist like on in a literal sense where um you know if the reputation is taylor dates guys dumps them and and write songs about them and the heist is to steal back her reputation but but also then, the, we could have the heist be you know based on some of the other lyrics we have going on here where no one has to know it's almost like the heist is having a relationship that no one else in the world knows about. Like the media is not aware of your relationship. I think she's kind of achieved that though, because this guy, what was his name? Joe Alwyn. Something like that. There's not a picture of them together. People just think that they're, that they are together, but 
As far as I know, there hasn't been a, a confirmed picture of them. I think there have. They're just like spy shots. There, there isn't like them making out in a corner or anything like that. But I'm pretty sure there are photos. I will look later. <laughs> so is that the heist? Through an investigation, yes. <laughs> the heist. Mm. Um, looking into the lyrics in you know, a little more detail, you know, the line that jumps out to me and jumps out to a lot of people from this verse is, you know, and he can be my jailer, Burton to this tailor. Um, there is, of course, the illusion, uh, and I mean illusion with an A, not an I, so a reference to something else, um, to, of course, Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor, so a different Taylor, so Burton to this Taylor. So saying he can be my jailer, it's almost sort of flipping the island concept where they're in their own bubble, right? Mm -hmm. So it says he can be my jailer. Now, if she thinks this is going to be the lasting relationship, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, what does jailer mean? And I think that means trapped in that constant news frenzy. Because if you look at the history of Richard Burton, Elizabeth Taylor, they were not married and divorced once, but twice to each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were married and divorced to other people also, but that's not the point. To each other, they married each other, divorced each other, remarried, divorced again. Um, it sounds and like a lot of work. It does sound like a lot of work, but that's not the point of it. The point is, is what they were, what their relationship status was kind of known for, is being a frequent news item. Mm -hmm. So if Taylor's referring to to um, this male character as a jailer, I think that is what it is. Is you know that he is going to be trapping her into that media frenzy that's that she can't seem to escape. not a very positive connotation I, 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 to call your lover your jailer. Yeah, I, I got a better version of that. Or at least a, a nicer version, I guess you could say. So think of it as, you know, trapping her heart. Like he is holding her heart. That's the, But then why is she comparing it to a relationship that got married and divorced twice? But, but the, they always always had that love throughout i mean it may seem like things were tumultuous and you know they did ha have divorces and everything else like that but they they got back together it kind of was one of those ones that he always had her heart hmm. yeah, I, don't I don't know a lot about them so i feel like i, I can't comment but um that sounds like a good theory uh Anything is better than the original time I read through this line without really thinking it through. What was the original time? <laughs> well, I kind of only got was some of the Tim words Burton? right. What's that? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I actually thought Lance Burton from good old Las Vegas there. You know, because a oh, lot of man, times he does all those back. he does all those tricks with you know handcuffs and you know. So I was like jailer Lance Burton. I was like, yeah. Oops. Yeah. Obviously, I was I totally know. wrong. <laughs> I, apparently so i mean you guys don't like the n negative thoughts behind my theory but i really think that's what it is is because the comparison to richard burton and elizabeth taylor i, I just think sort of seals the deal that jailing her means that she's going to be trapped in that lifestyle where the news will always report on her relationship status that, that, let's go with it I, I i think of anything it makes the most sense of any of the theories thank you steve Good job, Adam. Appreciate that. Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, if we if we keep going, it goes back into the I see this is how this is going to go. Touch me, blah, blah, blah. In the middle of the night, etc., etc. Where it finally changes again is when she gets into baby, let the games begin. Right. So as far as that goes, my sort of theory behind it um, is the fact that 
we have this lead up, this build up of the story in a, a relationship between a male character and a female character, right? And then, um, of course, there are all these sort of references to vengeance and the vendetta against this larger organization or this larger system that has jailed her, quote unquote. Um, and so now let the games begin. It's almost like used in the same context as it was in Hunger Games. It's like a war. Let the games begin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I think anyway. Yeah. Well, what? Well, okay, but what would the games be referring to? Like the attention storm that they're going to receive as soon as they like... Precisely. Come outside and hold hands. Like, here we go. Here comes the Precisely. craziness. I, th- I think the games are just that. The games are the battle over her reputation between her as an individual and her and her private life versus the media, what they say about her and how they craft her story. Uh, but but what about maybe if it's if this is all kept on the down low? Maybe that's what this is. The games are like trying to not publicize. Yeah, to keep the secret of their relationship. That to me is a game beyond all games, right there. It sounds like a really challenging game. It is a challenging game. Like then you can't go on vacation. You can't go out to eat together. You, I don't know. But that is, like Steve said, I I actually agree. I think that is the game, right? The game is this cat and mouse chase where. They're trying to hide, but the media is always chasing them in some sense, trying to capture them. Mm-hmm. So I think you're spot on with that. Um, so so overall, thoughts on the song? Do we have anything else before we talk about the video a little bit? I, um, okay, so it's been a long time since we've done this, but didn't we used to like write the song out of like... One to ten, and Adam gave every Taylor Swift song No, it was always out of a 13. I know, but you gave everyone a 13. <laughs> I did give everyone a 13, um, and I explained why I always gave everyone a 13. I don't remember. It actually had to do with a conversation with Andrea Swift, Taylor's mom. Um, I one time said to her, and this took guts on my part, but I said, uh, and what made me say it, who knows, but I sort of asked, and I'm like, so, you know, as far as fans' perception of different songs, Taylor must know that some fans like some songs better than other songs, right? And she gave me this whole long spiel about how Taylor really truly puts everything she has into every single song she writes. So while from the fan perspective, we um, can sort of rate songs differently in a sense, and we have different perspectives of different songs, and we like certain songs better, um, every song seems to be of equal relevance and equal meaning to Taylor herself. So I was just being a sucker. and, and... So you just don't want to hurt her feelings. <laughs> yeah, not that she's listening <laughs> anyway. But, you know. You're so nice. <laughs> but if you guys were to rate it on a 1 to 13 scale, what would you say? I like the sound of this song like i have you know talked about before but the lyrics for some reason just don't really do it for me it's not uh, as complex as i like them to be so i'm gonna go like an eight eight out of 13 wow that's nearly a 50 percent it's like a d no it's not (laughs) not it's above 50 it's like it's like a d what kind of what kind of math are you using He's uh, made not up a math. math teacher. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense then. Made up math. Hang on. Let's. I need a calculator. Yeah, so you're going to do 8 divided by 13 yeah, times I know, I know how to find percentages. All right, or if you want, you can move the uh, thing over twice. Yeah, the decimal place. 
Use a calculator. Okay, so she's a 62%, 61.5. Oh, it you're is right. A D. That's low. I'll, you okay. gave her a D minus on it. Then I'll give her a nine. You're making me do math again? No, we don't need to do math. And how can you argue that the lyrics aren't that complex when we, we talked about them just now and the way we talked about them? I don't think there is as much to it because, like I said, there's only two really independent verses. Okay, well, the... But, I think so, I think hmm. all, I think the various themes throughout it and the different references and allusions or use of rhyme. I don't know. Or... You're like making me overthink this. <laughs> I, I think, think that's how we do. Here, here, the Diane, way like songs is very emotional and it doesn't necessarily have to do with logic. And so, if you just feel a certain way towards a song, that's just how you feel, and you can't change it. Uh, but I can still appreciate it. And okay, know okay, that it okay. Yeah, Let's yeah, go yeah. on to Steve okay, so we can get to the video already. Steve, right. go well, ahead. Well, one thing that I can help Diane out on is there is a lot of repu- Sorry, not, not reputation. Repetition, not reputation. Like she rhymes now with now. And, and you know, lots of let the games begin, let the games begin. So I, yeah. I can understand that. Um, I'm going to go 10 just to sound a little bit better than going 9. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those songs that, like, at first, when I actually, the first part I saw was the preview that they had for college football for ESPN, and I liked it. It was it was peppy and that kind of stuff, but, um, you know, once I really got deep down into the lyrics and such, there were a couple ones, especially in that first verse with the whole looking stuff up in the dictionary and seeing multiple meanings of something that really made me enjoy it more, so that, uh, go with the 10. Thank you, Steve. Um, I I thought after the discussion, I actually liked it more. You know, I tend to like all of her songs more after um, being able to analyze the lyrics with you guys and really kind of think about certain things in the writing because it is the complexities of the writing that make me um, appreciate a song. And while this song isn't one that I put on repeat by any means, although I do like the sound of it better than Look What You Made Me Do, um, you know, and I think both of them are better than Gorgeous. But um, oh, that conversation is for a different day. That conversation's for a different day. It certainly is. Um, but because I, Diane was giving me a hard time, I always have to give it a thirteen. But if it were on a real sliding scale, it's probably eleven-ish. Um, you can't say that. Mm. <laughs> what? what? The truth comes out finally on episode two hundred and one. Wow, it took a while. <laughs> hey, do you I... know what I just realized, guys? What's that? No. This is. <laughs> we're gonna call this the uh, sixth anniversary episode because the first episode of taylor talk was published uh six years ago this upcoming wednesday november 1st and Ooh. we're not recording on november 1st so we're gonna call this the sixth anniversary episode yay congratulations happy sixth anniversary guys thanks for listening for sure we're we're getting too old here Speak all right for yourself. let's talk about that video before we run out of time right um, the video, I don't know that there's as much to say as there was with the song lyrics themselves, right? There could be if we really dove into it and any of us had any background in analyzing film because, you know, film is a text like any other, right? So, um, but it's not necessarily literature the way writing is. And um, so what were your initial thoughts? I guess we should start with that because initial thoughts are, they're quite telling sometimes. I felt like it didn't have anything to do with a song. <laughs> it was about Taylor being trapped and Taylor um yeah so I thought it was more about like Taylor feeling trapped by the media or by 
you know, that kind of thing again. And I didn't see how it really related to the song at all. Well, it's certainly an abstract interpretation of the song, right? Because maybe it's not an interpretation of the song directly. But going back to our theory from earlier, that Reputation's going to end up being a concept album. Perhaps it was more in line with that larger story. That's kind of what I was thinking. But then with that being said, then couldn't you put any song on her album to this music video and it would work then if it's not related to Ready For It? Possibly. Mm-hmm. Possibly. If if that theory is accurate. Um, but I mean, kind of going off that, if you guys took a chance to look it up, you know, there is all of that random graffiti on the wall and things like that with all kinds of clues and hints as Taylor has been known to do. You know, and, and, or at least we assume they're clues and hints. And of course there is You Are Gorgeous, which Gorgeous was a song that came off the album. So the other ones are Then there's songs. also All Eyes on Us, I Love You in Secret, and This is Enough. So maybe one of the songs is called Enough and then like Eyes on Us or something like that. We'll see. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just saying that perhaps because this will likely be the last music video released prior to the album itself that maybe it was intended to be a larger meaning than your average music video so going off your question like couldn't she just put any song on the album to this yeah i guess yeah but the timing also may play into it which which does make a lot of sense that these are actual songs that are going to be released on the album because this would be a chance to say hey are you ready for it hey here's the songs that are going to be on the album just in plain you know, graffiti right on the walls. There's and one. That's the other part of it. It's the first song, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's okay. at least one that it seems like most people missed. I don't know if everyone, probably not everyone missed it, but like I couldn't find it at least from looking briefly. Um, so on the, the wall, when she's punching in the code, there's where it says Joseph, which everyone does point out. But on the other side of it, it says illusions. With an eye or with an eye, with an eye. Oh. At least that's what it looks like to me. I see I L L U S I. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So I don't know. That could be another one. So, you know, I, I don't. I'm. Uh, that's what that I saw when I started right. seeing yeah. that. Was it was more like songs that are going to be on the album. Um, there was a lot of theories that said that goes along with her relationship with Joe and all that other stuff. Possible. <laughs> There are things in there that go along with her relationship, but again, I usually don't like discussing that stuff just because who cares? Mm-hmm. You know What do you mean? <laughs> well, what I mean what I mean by that is one, I don't really care who she's dating or not dating, um, personally. And two, isn't that exactly what she's trying to get away from, yet she's throwing it out there anyway? That's and, how I've always felt about Taylor Swift. You know, that's always kind of weird because like what Steve's referring to, for example, is right at the beginning, it opens up, it says 89 and 91. 89, of course, being when Taylor was born. 91 is when Joe was born, 1991. Um, it's actually so, in there a second time too, Adam. It's actually in there three minutes and 23 seconds in, like at the top of the stairs. Maybe, and there's also a part where yeah. she's punching numbers into the phone. Which and say 21, which I think they said was... Which, is, yeah, yeah, his which birthday. Is, mm-hmm. um, and then 26, if you look, the 5 and the 6 number on the keypad is uh, switched. A 5 would normally be in the middle of a phone's keypad, but they switched the 5 and 6. So that way the 6 so appeared 26. under the 2, and he's 26 years old. So, Well, maybe all she's saying um, is that she's the only one that should be allowed to comment on, on, on her relationship, which should be true 
and nobody else can. Perhaps, but like I said, I like to try and avoid the relationship stuff. So let's kind of get, kind of bring it back to the video if we could. You know, some of the more intricate details and okay, things. So, so I'll give you an intricate detail that by watching it very slowly, I found out <laughs> it's kind of silly. But um, you know, if reading into the graffiti and all that other kind of stuff, obviously not all of it seems to be there for specific reasons. For instance, there's one that actually says butts on it. <laughs> <laughs> Right when she, right? Yes, with an exclamation point at the end. Right when she gets to the glass cage for the first time, you'll look, it's on the right side of that. That's funny. That is kind of well funny. Well, <laughs> It is. Um, Steve, what were your initial thoughts of the overall video, though? It, it was interesting. I was trying to understand, the, like, what was going on in the cage, mm-hmm. for instance. Like how she kept getting transformed into different things, and then and there was a horse there at one point. Yeah. Well, hold on. Let's talk about that, Steve, because okay. I, I definitely had in my notes talking about the the two tailors in the video. Um, you know, you've got one that's uh, hooded and and kind of sinister looking, right? Mm-hmm. That's the one that kind of gets destroyed at the end. Then you have the one that's in the cube, right? That appears um, nude at first. If uh, you know, it's actually funny because when this video first dropped, actually not even before when it was just a preview, I actually texted Sammy, you know, who used to be a host here with us. I text her and I'm like, did Taylor just do her first nude scene? That wouldn't happen um, in a music video, and though. And she, she writes back, she's like, no, you dummy. She's like, she's wearing a bodysuit, which that's not the point. Um, the point is, is it's a blank bodysuit, right? So when we're talking about reputation of writing a story, I think that's sort of the blank canvas. That's what it's intended to be where the hooded tailor is the one that's currently in hiding. The one that everyone talks about and writes this narrative about, and it runs all these stories in the news about, and that's the one that's hooded. She's hooded because she's currently hiding, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. She's trying to protect herself. And the blank one is the one that will come out eventually. And that tailor can be anybody. Which is why she can transform into anything she wants to be. And it goes through different versions of her. And Diane, you mentioned the white horse. I think that was a reference to white horse, to the old tailor. And that's the one that it's like, wait, there's the white horse tailor. Nope, not doing this one. And it goes on and it's trying these different versions of tailor. And then ultimately ends with that tailor being very powerful in the lightning bolt and destroying the old one. So it comes out as, you know, here's here's these versions other people wrote about me. But no, this is the one that's coming out of this box now is this powerful one that destroys all those old versions and writes her own story. That's kind of beautiful. Mm hmm. So that's why I said I I feel like it may be sort of a a larger story. Now, as far as a first impression, to be quite honest, uh, this whole sci-fi thing reminded me of a short film that Joseph Kahn, the director of this music video, also did about Power Rangers. You would think about Power Rangers. (laughs) I did. Um, That's where it went because Joseph Kahn did a very – it's it's actually labeled mature. It's got some bad language. It's a very adult version of a futuristic sort of Power Rangers uh, concept. It's about 14 minutes long. It's a short film, but – um, it's it's very kind of similar in tones and colors and this sort of sci-fi futuristic looking thing. Um, you know, it's definitely the point I'm getting at is it's definitely like things he's done before. It's sort of his sort of his niche. I don't know his space. Mm-hmm. But um, that that was my first impression. Then of course the two tailors was 
once I started looking a little bit more into it. Any last thoughts on the video? I think we I think we're good. Was it recorded at a shopping mall? Didn't I? What's that? Was it recorded at like an abandoned shopping mall? Because that's what it looks like to me. I don't know. Like people were not even knowing that that it looks like escalators and somebody was saying it was something silly and i was like it looks like a shopping mall that's abandoned that they made this in i don't know if i mean i don't think i mean i don't think that would exist would it are there malls oh there's absolutely malls exactly i watch youtube videos about abandoned malls there's fun stuff there where are they all over the place scary yeah it is kind of scary and that's kind of as soon as i started watching it that's kind of what i felt with this is it was kind of you know like a post-apocalyptic kind of deal yes it definitely is post-apocalyptic with those um like guards that are trying to guard her in our cube or whatever Mm -hmm. situation there are escalators in the background what do you know i just looked it up well at the end she walks up one of the escalators uh Okay, here's something from uh, Telegraph, you know, telegraph.co.uk. Uh, it says, well, we still don't know where and when the video was filmed. Certain shots give the impression that it was at least partly filmed at California's Hawthorne Mall, an abandoned shopping center, which has served as a filming location for an array of productions, including Gone Girl, Rush Hour, and robot drama Westworld. So now we need to look up California's Hawthorne Mall in Google Image and see what we get. Oh my goodness. You're killing me. <laughs> it's necessary. You're killing me. You two talk while this I'm looking this up. Well, well, one of the things work. with this video in general, though, is there seems to be so much going on there, especially with everything. Uh, we didn't even get into, like, all the, what, the Chinese characters on the wall. Mm-hmm. And I've, I spent so much time, like, Googling, trying to translate these, use the Google Translator. Um, so I don't even know what some of this stuff is, has going on. Uh, one of the ones that I saw on the wall looked like it said Eddie. And I was like, is that for like, well, I was like, is that Ed Sheeran? Is that, um, Eddie Q? Because that was the Apple executive that, you know, Taylor had worked with. So So I I don't know. I mean, there's a lot, if it's, it's worth rewatching, which is, which is a good thing. That's what you want to have with a video is where you watch it and go, I didn't get most of that. Let me go ahead and watch it again. And then the next time you get something else and you keep getting something else. So I think as time goes on, this video will prove to have a lot more going on in it than most people saw maybe on the first or second time watching it. Steve, courtesy of Google, it does look like that scene with the escalators in the background is from the abandoned mall in Hawthorne, California. Which is really creeping me out. I'm probably going to spend a large part of tonight trying to figure out why this mall is abandoned <laughs> and what happened there and how old it is. Diane, it I, out of business. And Diane, I got some uh, good videos from YouTube on malls and such like this. So you'll have some send fun watching those. I'll send them your way. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Alrighty, now that Steve revived the conversation, now are we ready to wrap it up? Let's do it. Okay. We're an, we're an hour in. It might be just that time. Okay. So, everybody, I hope you enjoyed our conversation about uh, Ready For It, as well as its accompanying music video. Um, if, again, if you are new, welcome. If, you're, if, you're, uh, if you've been listening for a while, thanks for sticking around with us. So, if you guys would, um, you know, we'd really appreciate it if you offered some feedback and headed over to 
taylortalk.org. That will take you straight to our iTunes page where you can leave us a comment on iTunes. Just kind of give us an opinion, especially if you're new around here. Um, that would be wonderful. Uh, nice comments appreciated. Honest comments respected. Um, mean comments are not necessary. Mean comments rejected. <laughs> uh, but anyway... In addition to that, you can also follow us on Twitter at TaylorTalk13, and you can communicate us with us there. Give us your thoughts, feedback, what you thought of the discussion, anything to add to the discussion, something we missed, something you can add to what we said, and we'd really appreciate it and love hearing from you guys. So again, that's TaylorTalk13 on Twitter or TaylorTalk.org to go straight to our iTunes page. So now for episode 201 of TaylorTalk, the Taylor Swift podcast, this has been Adam, Dan, and Steve. Saying, have a great day, guys. Have a great week. Have a great month. We don't know when we'll be back, but until we are, have a great time. Bye, guys. See ya. This podcast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift.